ever wondered what hypnosis might be and what it can do for you? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere with your host, Inez Simpson. This is the show that talks to everyone from the experienced practitioner to the cautiously curious and yes, even the skeptics. Now, here's Inez Simpson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Hypnosis Everywhere. And we've been gone, eh, Martin? We've been gone on a hiatus, and we've been spending some time down under. And we've been training and doing a great time. And I'm here with, I'm really lucky to have this gentleman here on our show today because he is Hypnosis Australia. And he's been here for a long time. And he's also the total has a vast knowledge of mesmerism. And for me, that's good because I know nothing about mesmerism. I think I could put it in one sentence. <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the show. And what we usually do is I get the, uh, for the, because most of our listeners, we have hypnotists, obviously 10%-ish. The rest is 90% like real people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, of course, she's been away from the mic for a little while. Maybe mention his name. I will. I haven't even just said I mean, guys are all interrupting me. And as usual, we're going to do our, our, rain, our train wreck routine. He's right. My mouth's not working well. So anyway, we're welcoming him, Rick Collingwood, and you may have heard of him. Great to be here. <laughs> so what I usually do is I get the person who's sitting in this chair to tell me how they came to hypnosis mesmerism in your case and a little bit of your a little bio so that people know who you are okay so this is where i'm i'm a super fantastic yeah. guy gun hypnotist um i've been in started professionally with hypnosis in 1985 in australia um before that i'd been in the corporate world i did my first hypnosis when i was 12 out of a spider-man comic on my brother and it worked and i used it for years for a party trick decided it was time for a change of profession, went and studied counselling, and then thought I'll blend hypnosis with this. And horror of horrors. My first training was Ericksonian hypnosis. Um, there wasn't many hypnotists around in Australia in those days. It was regulated by psychiatrists, psychologists, doctors, dentists. Uh, and I just started practising and ignored their letters of threat and what have you. <laughs> Uh, kept going. Uh, I lucked out in a big way. I didn't know what a somnambulist was at the time. And the very first paying client I ever had was a guy that came in and I had all my scripts ready. And I said, look up at that green dot. And he did. And I said, close your eyes before I get to one. Counted back, looked up and he's there like this. And I thought, thank God for that. Went through the scripts. Soon he's... And he was a somnambulist and he quit smoking. And... <laughs> In Brisbane, and that gave me a huge amount of conference. I said, oh, hey, what a powerful guy you are. And I, I quickly learned that yeah. not everybody falls into that somnambulism. At the time, there were very few hypnotherapists, especially in Queensland where I began. And this guy went out and told all his friends. So instantly, I just got busier and busier and busier and busier. And one thing led to another. Um, and I guess I became hypnotherapeutically wise, the toast of Queensland, sitting in my little office. And um, I made, with the help of some other people who put the idea to me, the very first series of hypnosis CDs that had ever been released in this country. 
Um, and then one of the TV programs here called me up and said, we're going to find 10 smokers and 10 overweight people and try these. What do you think? And I went, yes. And straight away I thought, oh, my God, what have you done? <laughs> so they found their people. Everybody lost weight and eight of the 10 smokers quit smoking from these programs. And that's sort of, they put it in a very positive light on the news here, right across Australia, a 6.30 show after the news. And it just went from there once you've had one successful media story. So it just escalated on itself. And I got caught between therapy and traveling all over the place, training it. Um, and now nearly 30 years later, here I am, ready to go out the back door instead of coming <laughs> in the front door. The, the mesmerism side of it, it's a little bit esoteric. And as much as I woke up, one night as an Ericksonian hypnotherapist with this strange knowing that I had to learn not to blink. And I thought, this is interesting. I wonder where this is coming from. And about a fortnight after that, I woke up with this fascination with mesmer. So I went all over the world hunting down the truth about mesmer. The reality is what most of the historians have written is so far incorrect. It's ridiculous. See, that's less than a sentence now. Less than a sentence. <laughs> See, you're learning. And uh, I just went off on this path. But now for my treatments, for example, a lot of what I do, especially with psychosomatic conditions, is mesmerism. Um, and I remember one of the old masters I got to meet in Europe, he said to me, 10% of the people you meet will remember 10% of the words that you say 10 minutes after you said them. And hypnotherapists go, well, mesmerism's nonsense because I read it in a book. And yet they're quite happy to talk about a subconscious and unconscious and a conscious. No, no one ever saw one of them either. No. They're just blips on the screen. So we live in, I think this profession is all endowed with these pseudo-scientific bits and bobs. That, And to me, I sit back and think, well, no wonder it has issues gaining traction in the academic world because a lot of what we do is an evidence and it can never be evidence-based yeah. so it's very interesting uh, i just do what i do learned years ago not to worry about what no, other people are doing but it, it's it's very interesting that you're totally right about that i think i've always been open to possibility i don't i most people would consider me the woo-woo end of the stick. I'm quite a spiritually oriented person. Join the club. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, but when that, a lot of people, when they say the woo-woo, that they have a little bit of a, a little bit of a sneer in that. But if you are open to possibility, anything can happen. If you're just closed off in, in your little box, nothing's going to change. You're just restricted. Yeah. So, when you started doing this and you started in Queensland and then you end up here having the academy in, in, Mel in Melbourne. Melbourne, yeah. So, and, and for those of you that don't know, that's quite a vast distance apart. <laughs> <laughs> but there's more. I was in Perth before that. So I was in Brisbane for six years. I went to Perth for 10. Yeah. And I'm just finishing up here after 10. After 10. So it's 26 So it's pretty well a good round in Australia. So, but seriously, the, the, from me coming from America, I'm from Canada, so I, I hear about you when I delve into, oh, I wonder what's happening in Australia. Who do I hear about? Rick Collingwood. 
So for me, that's interesting, and I want to know a little more. And when you're doing hypnosis, I do hypnosis, you do hypnosis, our styles are probably dramatically different. But ultimately, we do the same things because we're looking for that open to possibility part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Look, I, I train, and I say to my students, I'm going to throw all this stuff at you, make it fit you. If you've got big words in a book that someone said Milton wrote and you're trying to remember them, you're not going to have much of a connection to um, heal anybody. And at the end of the day, as one of my doctor associates says, the body heals itself. The only thing we ever killed was fish and bacon. Yeah. And we can give it stuff to help it. And we can I like that one. do all those things, but it's uh, uh, you've got to be very open-minded with this. And if you're very comfortable as an NLPist or an Ericksonian hypnotist or whatever, and you're good at it, stick with it. Yeah. We, we tend to look for the magic bullet, the panacea that doesn't exist. And There's no panacea because it has to develop. You have to do what you're good at what feels right to you, and that becomes the best way to do it. Exactly. And so your best way to do it is what you do. My best way to do it is what I do. And that's what I've been saying on this show for about a year because I, the community is somewhat divided at times. Oftentimes. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> Eric Solman is the only way. Uh, Elman is the only way. Uh, I might have gotten into that, except that I, I was trained in that, in that forte, which is still my background but i understand that it all works precisely right and it's all good and that's what this show is about hypnosis everywhere and hypnosis is everything here and hypnosis is everything it's a natural state like breathing i say it's everything and nothing it's, yeah. <laughs> it's simple and it's highly technical yeah. can i get myself in a bit of trouble here my first training was ericksonian mm -hmm. and i spent three years as an ericksonian hypnotherapist mm -hmm. and i got good results I was pre-internet days, yeah. and I didn't know. I was taught rapid induction stage hypnosis, all nonsense. So what I did was I wrote to a very prominent at the time, Las Vegas stage hypnotist, asking about rapid inductions, and he bothered to write back to me and drew me a diagram of a handshake induction. Yeah. So I go up to him and say, "Come in, mate. Come in. Sleep." And he goes, "What are you doing, you an idiot?" And turn around and walked <laughs> off. And so I, I got a, I was at a. a crossroad then I can stay Ericksonian and give up on this or I can keep pursuing it then I found out I, I did the first rapid induction they always worked after that yeah. so there's a driving force between us er Erickson had a lot of brilliant stuff once you've induced hypnosis my opinion of Milton Erickson now as a hypnotist he was about 1.6 out of 10 as a therapist he was a 12 out of 10 yeah and we all forget that we can't write prescriptions we don't work with people who are in mental institutions. We haven't been trained in psychiatry. So we're really talking about two different highways, I think, that go in two different directions. What amuses me about Erickson, and one of the last videos he made, there's a doctor asking him, where do I go and train? And he said, I've seen dozens and dozens and scores of men try to copy me. And I've done it myself trying to copy others. It's a hollow pretense. The patient knows it be your own natural self. Otherwise, it's a mess. And then millions of dollars have been made off his back with people teaching what they thought he might possibly have meant 40 years ago. Yeah. So I get a little, 
But his techniques are brilliant if you can master them, which takes time. And if you, I find if you blend them with hypnosis, once you've induced a hypnotic trance, as I see it, which is more the almond style, mm -hmm. um, you can get some fantastic results as long as you don't overstep your mark. Another, another thing with the whole profession that disappoints me now, I, I stay off forums because everyone's talking about the cure word. Yeah. But no one's ever, very few people ever follow up. Well, besides which, it's not a smart thing to talk about curing things. Uh, what well, that's not what we do. We're helping people become their best. Exactly. So if there was a cure, it would be coming from them anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm sure you understand why you, you see these yeah. overinflated egos. I cured PTSD yeah. and I cured this, well, that, and the other. It, it, it and doesn't I'm sure do we've us all any helped favors. people with PTSD. Of course. But it's not a cure. The person you can't cure it, can you? Well, the person has changed back to normalcy. It's not like he was, uh, not in my opinion, sorry, I might be getting myself in trouble now. I don't look at them as being sick. So how could I cure them? They're out of balance. They're out of balance. Yeah. It's just, yeah. a, I mean, in my opinion, it's an emotional imbalance, I yeah. feel. Um, but it's such a fascinating field and it goes in so many directions at various speeds. At the end of the day, what will work, I think, for a hypnotist is the hypnotist being themselves. I can't be Spano or Ormond McGilders any more than I can be you or you can be me. And that's how it is. And I do think to a great degree when, when you delve into it deeper uh, and look what James Braid did after he spent time with Laugh on Tame, they threw the baby out with the bathwater a bit. Like even Braid said that before he passed. I think that's the story of history. Yeah, it's throwing out the baby with the bathwater. But they threw out such an important component yeah. of this, um, yeah. which was the the energetic, and it's not an energy that goes from one person to another. I don't. I think it's quantum entanglement, and the use of the enteric brain so as animals communicate. Yeah, and we have that ability. And if you discard it, it's you're leaving a big chunk of it out. Mm -hmm. And this is where Pushiga, attention, intention, mm -hmm. belief, and desire. If you, as a hypnotherapist, if you have somebody come in and sit in a chair and you're thinking about what you're having for lunch or paying your power bill, and you're not focused and present with them when you're working with them, you might luck out a result, but it's going to be far less effective than if you remain present with an intention for the person to heal. I, I agree with you, because because we become a team. Yeah. Yeah. There's a connection. And without it, we're just going rote. We're just yeah. reading through and the chapters. And you can just, if you just read words and with no intention and no energy involved. It's like reading an academic paper, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work the same. It's, uh, yeah, so the words are part of it, but... Well, they say 90% of yeah. communication is unconscious. Yes. I think the truth is probably 60% is, yeah. depending on the environment. But that 60% is very important. Um, and I think it, every hypnotist should at least have some acknowledgement and understanding of that to be the best they can be. So that sort of got me thinking in a different road here. I'll, I'll just for a second is the connection between you and your clients quite important, true? Mm, so if you have someone walk in and there's no rapport, 
I know these, there's the odd time, you know, when I do a consultation, sometimes the consultations, the client thinks it's all for them, but it's for me too. Yeah. I want to know if we're going to fit because then I'll, if we wouldn't fit, I'd say to them, you know, you'd be better going to see Joe down the road. He's more like your style and I think you'll really like him because I'd want to be in the same. Yeah, you get that her. feeling. Yeah. That there's no connection. Yeah. So it doesn't happen very often. I think maybe once or twice in the whole time I've been working. And okay. And so do you feel like that too? Or do you just say, okay, it doesn't matter. I'll just take you anyways. I'm just curious. I'm probably more of i I'll take you anyway. Yeah. I don't buy into this nonsense that hypnotists can't make people do things. Oh. I'm well. totally the opposite. Um, if someone comes to me and they say, I want to achieve this. Yeah. And it's fair and it's equitable. Yeah. I will do anything morally necessary for them to. I, will, I won't give up. Yeah, no, no, I don't think I can work with you. So no. So what I say normally, though, is it, like I said, it happened once, and it might have been more of a creepy factor. <laughs> <laughs> See the joys of being a female. Yes. Yes. Well. So, but that doesn't happen very often. But I disagree with you somewhat on that they that you don't have that we have the power i think we have the power if the person believes we have the power no because you can yeah. hypnotize a somnambulist and stick a needle up through there you can't pretend that away you can hypnotize someone make them eat an onion and believe it's an apple well that yeah i know no those things i will believe but yeah. they still allowed you to put them in hypnosis in the first place no you can you don't need to oh goody they were gonna have fun <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good you know i like it now Okay, so but, we have to go to um, break now. So now we're going to leave that clip. And, and say, I think it's much more respectful to hypnotize someone who is allowing you to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, I want to okay. clarify that. Yeah. Point. I'm not saying I will get into that a little bit after the break. <laughs> so we're going to break, and we're going to shortly. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum Scalar Wave Lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar Wave Lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The Quantum Lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Hi, Inez Simpson here, the host of Hypnosis Everywhere on Voice America, and I'm here to give myself a plug. I want to plug three things that give me joy in my practice. First is working one-on-one -on -one with clients to work with them to get the outcome they desire. And as you know from the show, hypnosis covers a broad spectrum. And as a Voice America listener, I'm offering you a free consult. If you're curious or you feel hypnosis may help you and you want to find out more, go to inezsimpson.com and click on my client page. Second, mentoring. I love to work with hypnotists, new or who've been in the field for some time, and they want to change things up or move ahead or whatever it may be. You can find out everything at 
InezSimpson.com forward slash mentoring. Third thing, the Simpson Protocol. I'm passionate about teaching hypnosis and especially Simpson Protocol, which I teach around the world. And you can find out all about that at SimpsonProtocol.com. Talk soon. You're listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, the Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Inez. That's I-N-E-S at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, welcome back, everyone, for, to Hypnosis Everywhere. And this is our second seb- segment with... Rick Collingwood, and we were just going to have some fun here because we obviously have a slight difference in opinion, which is fine, and that's good. And I, my opinion, of course, is always I'm a Miss Maternal hypnotist. True? Very maternal, which means that I'm, you know, very easygoing. Can you do this? Would you do that? I'm very nice, you know, always nice, except when I need to be otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> when you're intentionally not nice, I'm not. sure that's a rare occasion. <laughs> so, but the power, I've always been taught in the background that we do not have the power. And I agree to that. And that's the the kind of hypnosis I come from. But I know what Rick means. And there is people that he can set, do this, and they just do it, and it's done. And that's because, and it makes you feel powerful. But it's not only about feeling powerful. It's about believing you have that power. But it's been, I still think they gave it to you. Do you understand? Yeah, but I think sometimes you can take it from them. Oh. Look, classically, it appears to me in a lot of of teachings now, you spend your first hour with a client taking an entire history. This is very common. I agree with (laughs) that. Oh, yeah. I forgot I was on camera. And you do that, and they're going to tell you half the time what they think you want to hear anyway. They're going to give you an opinion that has nothing to do with what's happening Mm. down below. So... My attitude is if someone's coming to pay me money to get a change, I'm obligated to give them that change. So to me, sitting a person in a chair, going through the rigmarole, and I have to give due respect to people, mm-hmm. um, it's a like if I'm going to hop on a plane, a pilot doesn't waste an hour telling me how he's going to fly it. He goes, yes. put your seatbelt on and soon we'll be wherever yeah, and the weather so is. A so sometimes, for example... Most people, when they come in for their first session of hypnosis, whether they admit it or not, they're a bit nervous. That means they're hovering on alpha. So sometimes I'll walk out to my reception. I'll go, hello, what's your name? Annette Simpson. Follow me. Okay. They'll walk into here. They sit there (laughs) and I just gaze at them. And why are you here? (laughs) The only place they have to go is out the door or here. Yeah. And then I might be a bit Ericksonian and I might go, as you look at me, don't be surprised whether your left eye closes or your right eye closes or both together in one minute and five minutes. It doesn't make any difference to me. Okay. So I will lead them down the path of giving away their power, if you will. So you're half right and I'm half right. I think so. I think we're both actually right. When when we go onto stage to make people do things, (laughs) we're choosing somnambulists anyway. Yes. Street hypnosis, which I don't particularly agree with, I think because you don't know who you're dealing with if you're walking up to people, 
um, out of the blue, but it's a good training ground. Um, I think a lot of the street hypnotists, the videos that you see of them are the ones they were successful oh, with. I'm sure. I don't think there's anything. On, no, I can't say that. There might be one or two people who are honest and put up whatever they their do. Their failures and their successes. And so we'll, I won't say 100%, but most people only put their good things on. Precisely. Right. And the, look, as I said, my job is to make a shift for a person. One of the best ways to get somebody into, hypno, into a, well, what is hypnosis anyway, to change the depth of brain state is to get them to shut their eyes and tell you the story. Mm -hmm. After the eyes have been closed, so I might say to somebody, sit there, close your eyes. You could open them anytime you want, but I don't want you to. Now tell me when this issue happened first that you're aware of, or when I was five. I will question them and take them into their imagination. In my opinion, of all the trying to figure out what hypnosis is, we use the word, and it started in the mesmeric days, this is all in the imagination, but imagination relating to hypnosis does not mean pretending. It means going to the source of all things because everything that we can see came from there. So if I had to give some description of exactly what verbal hypnosis is, it is leading a person into their imagination and stopping their critical thinking and then changing some memories or self or conscious beliefs of capabilities in the imagination so it filters through. Yeah. But a lot of the things that we're dealing with is state-dependent memories, is emotional, you've got all this other stuff that combines in. So somebody comes in here, they don't want to quit smoking, but their wife said they should or their husband because it costs too much money. Yeah. Beyond these miracle workers that claim their one-session cures, not often realizing they lucked out because they got a somnambulist, it's not you're going to stop like that. It's three, four, five sessions. Some stop for a month and then pick up again. I've always run my, if I take a client on, my deal is that I think you will need three to five sessions. You're going to pay a program fee, but if you need more, you don't come back and pay. So mm. I've got two anorexic ladies I've been working with for, and hypnosis, I don't care what anyone says, is a waste of time with anorexia. Bulimia, no. Anorexia, very, very difficult. So these ladies, what they paid me to come along here to start, I'm probably losing $145 a session now in the amount of sessions they've had. Um, but both of them had said at different times, I still don't eat like I'd like to, but you've kept me alive. <laughs> Given them some huge. hope. Well, it's amazing how much the body can erode itself before it gives up. And you hear something like that, and for me, I think, well, I've kept you alive. That's got to be a bit of a plus, even though your life is full of frustration and misery and what have you. But if there is any hypnotherapist out there that works well with anorexia that gets genuine, followed-up results, I'd love to know what they're doing. Well, I can't even claim the fame on that because I only, in my memory, I've only worked with one anorexic client and they were already eating again. They had been taken through a program and were eating again. Mm -hmm. I did do all the other work that needed to be done and she never had any flow back or anything. She, she did really good. But I can't say because I definitely didn't take her from point A 
to to the end. I took her from somewhere in the middle there. Where she had already yes, found the Yes, she was already eating. Been you know, they'd done whatever they needed to do, but she was a mess. Yeah, we have this, I don't know, if, and it happened to me in my early days, and I tell my students, we get a Jesus complex because we think we're good in the short term, but when we do, Jesus comes and slaps us. Yeah, real that's right, real hard. To, to let us know that, hey, it, it, anything is easy in the short term. Yeah. I could talk someone without any hypnosis sitting in that chair. I could talk them into not having a cigarette for a day. Oh, yeah, no. It, we all so. know that. Yeah. We see a lady, I'm pregnant, just stops doesn't even think about a no. cigarette again. So no. these capabilities are all in there. Incentive there, there no. Precisely. Yeah. If, if you got the motivation, it's very easy. That's why I always say to people, we can't fix anything. If you have the motivation and desire, then, and you really want it, you're going to achieve it. it. Yeah. Yeah. We can bring out the best in you. Yeah. That's it. And we can do some interesting and fascinating things too on a stage or mucking around with yeah. uh, making people do stupid stuff. But uh, I've know. never been so good at that, not because I can't do it, but because I'm not very entertaining. You know, you got if you got yeah, a it's bit a of entertainment, you yeah. got to have some entertainment value. I mean, I can do it in demonstration and, you know, I'm so, mostly I've, to watch me, it's sort of like watching paint drawing mostly. So. I've only ever done it for charity. Yeah. Like if a charity rings me up, we want to raise some money for a children's yeah. x-ray, I mean, I'm there. But if someone rang me up and said, how much would you charge to do a stage show? I would refer them on to someone that specializes yeah. in that. Um, but I have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Some of the greatest laughs I ever get. It's, uh, and some somnambulists are quite amazing. Um, there's one in every class. So in every class, I've seen a few people putting videos on lately. I always throw $3,000 on a chair. And so if you can get to the somnambulist, because if you can get there, which you can't, it's yours. Yeah. Never lost $3,000 in 20 years. <laughs> but you've got to know how to pick them. Yeah. You've got to know, yeah. you've got to be quick on your feet or you would lose money. <laughs> um, but I do it, and I say to students, anyone that tells you you have no control over anyone at all, isn't 100% correct. 20% of people, you can massively lead them in the direction They're you want to They're very suggestible, so, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, even without hypnosis, when you have a suggestible person, just like you said before, you can do that. So I, I totally get that. So now I want to get into the mesmerism. Do, 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 do. Because that's really fascinating for me. So, and you are the my god of knowledge on that. So... I really want to know all about it. Yeah. Well, in the 16 and 1700s, the doorway into mesmerism is fascination, hypnotic, the gaze. Yeah. That's all that Braid kept um, after he spent time with La Fontaine. It was a happening thing up until, uh, I guess, the Industrial Revolution. It's uh, You can see the documented limb amputations and what have you that Esdale done using mesmerism. Yeah. Studying Esdale, he, mm -hmm. bought, he read a thesis that Mesmer wrote and he bloody well got on with it. Mm -hmm. He did um, 117 documented amputations, 14 documented limb amputations with no sign of pain, no sign of shock. I certainly wouldn't do it. If I'm going for an operation, give me the stuff you know, and well, wake me up. I after. wouldn't mind most of it as long as I don't have to be around to see it or watch it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but it's, it was in the day there was nothing else. Nothing else. And then um, a dentist went along to an ether show that they used to do 
get people to sniff ether, put them on a stage and make them do silly things. Saw a guy fall off a stage, gash his leg open and sit there laughing hysterically at it and went, ding, this stuff must stop pain. And ether became the painkiller, far more effective and times moved on. But all of the aspects of mesmerism or magnetism, mesmer was just the first guy to put this into a unified field. But if you look back through history, Napoleon Bonaparte, part, the Count of Monte Cristo, George Washington, who said mesmerism was not, they all knew fascination. So fascination is the look into my eyes. Mm. All you're doing, we don't see with our eyes, we see with our brain. Light hits the retina, goes to the brain. Information travels on light. You can't beam a thought, but it's easy to beam a feeling. You see animals do it constantly. They line up and gaze at each other. So this is not some mystical, magical thing. When you look at it scientifically and try to pull it apart, you're just using the enteric brain and you're replicating what animals do. It, it, but it seems mystical because we've had this decade of new age nonsense and burning bloody incense and stuff. And if I look at you like this, so you look at me and you go straight back. I can hold a gaze for 10 minutes. Yeah. You can't. No. My left eye is hooked to my right brain so and, you, and my right to the left and so is yours. I can create a figure eight loop and through the vagus nerve, bring a feeling up through here and transmit it into you. So I could do this and gaze at you for an hour trying to get your bank account number. I'm wasting my time. Yeah. It's not about that. It's taking a person into a non-feeling state. We were in training today. And I'll gaze someone and I'll put a hand here and go like this and that hand will flip. And it, it's so evident that there's a connection. It's, it's beyond stupid, but it's also beyond stupid to think for one moment that that connection is anything to do with beaming thoughts and um, able to control people by the, by the, the thought of will. You can't. Yeah. But what Mesmer, his ecstatic catharsis is, they would talk about bringing an issue, and mesmerism is very good for psychosomatic conditions, to the highest pitch. So they would hold the gaze, they would do the stroking mm -hmm. or the passes until the person started twitching. And then mesmer's philosophy on that was your nervous system has realigned. Mm -hmm. So you're going to feel better. Of course you do. And back in those days... Um, most of the people that Mesmer dealt with were women in France with the vapeurs because they were treated like second-rate citizens and full of hysteria. So it was relatively easy to go to this doctor who by suggestion everybody thought was a wonder worker and buy into it. Regardless of that, he got astounding results. And the people feeding mercury and doing bloodletting saying, yeah, sure, he's got 12,000 results here that we can't get, but it's all pretending because we can't see this ethereal fluid he talks about. Now it can be measured. But you can't mesmerize someone into going and robbing a bank or you could do it with hypnosis. But mesmerism realigns the nervous system. That's all it does. For, and so for a psychosomatic condition, phantom pains, though, it's brilliant. If you want someone to change a habit or excel within themselves, you use hypnotism. The two are like night and day. Hypnotism grew from mesmerism. The, the first person recorded ever to put words with the state, which was at the time magnetism, mesmerism, yeah. was Poisiger. And Poisiger had a 
a servant by the name of Victor Race, and they were in the vineyard one day, and he had mesmerized Victor Race. Now, they talk about Poisigus tree and mesmerist. No one ever saw that. That's, uh, those things are just written into the books, but no one's got any evidence that any of it existed. And they were trying to get rid of these guys at a time when the guillotine was still in fashion. So to me, they were honorable men that stood their ground. 1852 in London, the British Medical Association called all the doctors in and said, you sign a declaration saying mesmerism is nonsense. 17 gave them their doctor licenses back and said our conscience will not be tampered with. So a free thinking person would have to go, there must have been something in this. So I began to pursue it. And I read all the different old books written about mesmer. Half of them can't even give his name right. They call him Friedrich instead of Franz. I found the guy's birth certificate. I've been to the house he was born in. I've been to the apartment he lived in in Meersburg. Uh, you've got to turn over a lot of rocks to find the diamonds. And when you start finding the diamonds, you go, my God, the entire history that's been written by these so-called historians has just been copies mainly, not always, mainly of the nonsense that the powers that be wanted to have perpetrated on the public at the time. That brings me to saying, well, probably that happens a lot. It still does. <laughs> it still does. And I get people, they come in and they go, it's, well, Mesmer, it's like Reiki. And I'll go, well, yeah, but there's not golden angels involved. And the only, if you go to Japan, this is a weird thing. Reiki apparently comes from Japan. Go to Japan, no one ever heard of it. All Mesmer's main writings are the Freemasons have them in the temple in Tokyo. Mm. So the Japanese ended up with all Mesmer stuff and all of a sudden we have Reiki that involves golden angels and lights and things, which if it works, all well and good. But all that Mesmer was was a guy that took magnetism, as it was known, and put it into some kind of a unified theory. He said there was an ethereal fluid came down from the heavens that he could control. They said, we can't see it, so you're crazy. Mm. The first commission they had said this works. The doctors got really annoyed by that, so they had a second commission that went, it works. Then in the third commission, the doctors got into King Louis the Sixteenth there and said, Mesmer yep. puts his hands on the lower part of women. This is ungodly. So, of course, it all fell over. Yeah. Um, and Mesmer walked away in embarrassment. Poisega took over. So with Victor Race, um, he had Victor Race in the, in the vineyard mesmerized and another worker came up and asked Poisiger a question and Victor Race answered it like in an Edgar Casey style from this deep trance. Poisiger then said, um, sorry, he, my God, people can speak in this state. He was an avid disciple of Mesmer's and respected him till the day that he died, meaning Poisiger. Mesmer went, this is horrific. You people can be somnambles. You don't mix words with this. But I think Mesmer was just a bit jealous that he hadn't figured out people could yeah. talk. That, that's my assumption. Mm -hmm. um, then they had the first commission. Um, uh, Dr. Delon was the only one allowed to speak. Mesmer wasn't. So I think he sat back there with his arrogance and ego because he had lots of money. And he had to sit in silence and he would say some silly things like halfway through, he jumped up in the first commission and went, gentlemen, I forgot to tell you that I spent three months and I never had a thought. 
and then he just sat down again. So they went crazy. Yeah. He knew that he was his, his the acceptance of his method was numbered. So I think he was going to stir them up. A week later, he jumped up and said, "Gentlemen, yesterday I magnetized the sun, so the whole world can be cured now simply by drinking from a stream that the sun has shone upon," and sat down. And he was just. And then he disappeared for two years, popped up at, in um, Frauenfeld in Switzerland and worked with the free, worked for free with peasants, uh, lived in a cottage with a peasant by the name of Futura, did that for two years, went across the lake um, and retired in Meersburg, quite a wealthy man. But he, he must have had a disappointment of what he had put together and given an explanation of had fallen apart. Now, whether this is psychosomatic or not, you can go back to the likes of John Baptista van Helmont, who was an early magnetist, and you can read what they were capable of doing. They were just realigning nervous systems. Now we use a pill. There's nothing wrong with that either. In those days, there was nothing else. Isn't it better to have had something um, I get people coming here post-operative and what I mesmerize, their pain just goes away. Mm -hmm. Now, whether it's psychosomatic, whether I did something, whether I am real, yes. I don't care. Yes, I don't care either. It's, and if the pain doesn't go away, I don't charge them. It, it's, it's not about. But I, I really believe with this, I'm coming to the end of my career, but I do think that we started with mesmerism we came right around in this great big circle. In my opinion, Braid stuffed back. it up by denying that there was words. Esdale was brave enough to keep it going in Hooghly in India. Then they took him back to Montrose yeah. in Scotland and charged him yeah. for practicing medical religion without a license to stifle this. Braid mm -hmm. came out. In his end writings, he said, if I could never achieve what the magnetist could and what LaFontaine taught me, if only I had had the fortitude to stand up against the medical association, I would have cured thousands more people, unquote. Yeah. And then Erickson came along and completely wrecked the whole bloody lot. And people go and do these courses and pay all this money, not realizing that Erickson had huge amounts of training and he was also gifted in being able to read subtle body. We're not. Yeah, he was. He was yeah. an exceptional Exception. human being. But if I threw Erickson up into the Melbourne Leagues Club to do a hypnosis show, I'd be wasting my time completely. No. Yeah, it, it, the, the truth about Erickson, the only person that ever wrote it was Andre Weitzenhofer, who went to medical school with him and was in the American Hypnotherapist Association with him. There's something else about Erickson which a lot of people haven't observed. He always wore purple, mm -hmm. and he always had a bloody big sigil around his neck. And he used to talk about doing, you know, the big Indian sigils that oh, yeah. people wear. Okay, yeah. He used to talk about waking up in the middle of the night and doing automatic writing. Mm -hmm. So if one were to put those three things into a context separately, one could go, perhaps this guy was a shaman. Or thought he was. He had definitely done some kind of a spiritual learning because what doctor just wears purple, puts a big dangly thing around their neck and does automatic writing. So when you look between the lines, he was constantly uh, had the opposition of the American Medical Association as well. So 
they it's a mess well i think on that note we're going to go to break <laughs> another break another break so we'll see you on the other side okay went really long on that because you were talking yeah no, stop that. no it was too good so we went what what Hi, Inez Simpson here, the host of Hypnosis Everywhere on Voice America, and I'm here to give myself a plug. I want to plug three things that give me joy in my practice. First is working one-on-one -on -one with clients to work with them to get the outcome they desire. And as you know from the show, hypnosis covers a broad spectrum. And as a Voice America listener, I'm offering you a free consult. If you're curious or you feel hypnosis may help you and you want to find out more, go to inezsimpson.com and click on my client page. Second, mentoring. I love to work with hypnotists, new or who've been in the field for some time, and they want to change things up or move ahead or whatever it may be. You can find out everything at inezsimpson.com forward slash mentoring. Third thing, the Simpson Protocol. I'm passionate about teaching hypnosis and especially Simpson Protocol, which I teach around the world. And you can find out all about that at simpsonprotocol.com. Talk soon. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum Scalar Wave Lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar Wave Lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The Quantum Lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Inez. That's I-N-E-S at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Hypnosis Everywhere with Rick Collingwood and me, the host, Inez Simpson. And you know what? Martin Gover is hovering somewhere in the background. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so now the mesmerism is intriguing, but there is something else that I that he had let out earlier in the conversation was about uh, quantum entanglement. Now I wanted to put those two together and how they just. Uh, I'm just going to let him tell you. Well, the best <clears throat> semi or pseudo or basic science with the connection the way this works we're going back to the theory of the the buddhist interconnectedness of all things mm -hmm. the human body <coughs> excuse me is 60 to 90 trillion cells make mm -hmm. up this body then we've got 60 billion 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 trillion atoms an atom isn't solid when you zoom up to the other side of it it has a neutron and it has electrons. Mm -hmm. 
electrons pick up energy and continue thing, things continue the flow of this energy. So this isn't something that goes from me to you. It's something that's permanently there and it has nothing to do with thought. Intention is an emotion. So I could say to you anything I want with my words flapping, but my intention down here could be completely different. We do have energy centers. You know, the spiritualists will go their chakras and all this sort of stuff. To me, this stuff is about as spiritual as watching paint dry. It just is. Animals do it to each other constantly. You get a mouse. So say you got a pet python snake. You get a mouse or whatever. You throw it in there. will freeze instantly and the snake will just go and fascinate it. Mm -hmm. So all we're doing with this is what's always occurred in nature. Our problem was we went to the educational institutions. The Catholic Church, for example, told you for death, it's rude to stare. Don't look into people's eyes because it's a power. So if, once you get comfortable with looking into people's eyes, the window to the soul or whatever you want to call it, you have a power over them by the mere fact you can do it. Like if you run faster than me, if we go to a running track and you're the fastest runner, you've got a power over me through your knowledge and ability. So when the power of mesmerism is spoken about, it's not some, hey, I'm a powerful guy thing. No. It's I have an ability through knowledge to be able to manipulate your enteric system. And that to me is about as spiritual as it gets. If you want to bring angels, and that's all lovely too. But it's the best explanation that can be brought up with this. I will often have a, a client, a student, a patient near me with their eyes the other way, and I'll go like this, and you'll get a reaction. We have sensing systems that pick this stuff up. And just for the radio listeners, uh, when he goes like this, he was just touching me on the shoulder, getting near my shoulder. So because uh, the camera's on, but most of the people are listening on radio. So ah, I just okay. thought I'd tell them. That. So we have um, on one of my... Um, uh, Facebook sites. Mm -hmm. There was a student came in here, all uh, what's the right, totally unbelieving, and I got a bit annoyed. I said, "Mate, close your eyes and stick your arm out like this." So he bent forward. He put his elbow on his knee and he put his hand out forward and he had his eyes closed. He didn't know what I was going to do. It hadn't been done before in the class. There was no pre-suggestion. I have one hand underneath his and one hand above, and I'm squeezing my fingers like this with tension. It's very important to have tension. And his hand closes and locks without me saying anything. And I said, now open your eyes. What happened? He went, that was really weird. I felt this force beginning to close my hand. And now it's stuck. Why can't I open it? And this, as I said, this seems mystical, but won't a, um, a snake, freeze its prey. A lion does the same thing. A lion will look at a herd of zebras, it will pick one in the middle, and it will begin to move at a slow pace, locked on with its eyes, then it chases the one that it's picked and it will run past others yeah. to get the one it chose because it's, it's locked on energetically. But the energy doesn't have an intelligence of its own. It's like a magnetic force. Mm -hmm. It's attraction and repulsion. But it's Is that why they uh, at one time called it animal magnetism. 
you know what that really it's meant was animating magnetism. Ah, it meant the so field that animated from you. We all yeah. that can be measured now. So that's that became what people called it. Animal magnetism, but it wasn't to do with animals, mm. it was to do with your animating ah, energy field. So Mesmer said there was this ethereal fluid that came down from the heavens and he could control it. Um, and they can measure it now, it's cosmic energy, it's everywhere. So none of this, when you take away the mystical nonsense about it, it it's quite scientifically proved. Um, Dr. Colin Ross, nine years ago, proved there's a ray that comes out of the eye, one of the top psychiatrists from the MK Ultra Mind Control Program. Mm -hmm. And when they measured it, the signal doesn't drop off at a thousand kilometers. So maybe that's how distance healing works when you gaze at a yeah. photo. I say maybe. Maybe, yeah. Well, but there's that's where something the maybe to all of this, and it's very easily discarded. I think it. Every hypnotist, the first thing a hypnotist should learn about is their energy systems. But at the end of the day, if you look back pre 1950s, and you have a a good a non uh, bias look at the results that hypnotists got. The ones that put you in the bloody hypnosis and told you what you needed to know got a far better result. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to have to say that this is the end of our show today. We've had a great show and we're going to have some more Rick Collingwood on in the future. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. It's Thank been you for that. Didn't of that fun. time go fast? I know. I know it goes too fast. See, it flies when you're having fun. Can I say my website if people we're want? We're going to do that. You go ahead, we and are. we're also put it on the on the <clears throat> face page of the thing. If you want to know more about mesmerism and hypnosis and combinations, the website where you'll find all the information and online training if you're interested is hypnouniversity.com. Now, if you missed that, Martin will have all that information on there on the on the show page. So enjoy and check it out. And I'm very keen on learning some more stuff. So we'll see you next time. And bye from now. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol with host Inez Simpson. We can't wait to have you join us again next week. 